thank you to Darlene Taylor to being here on our podcast, Humans at Work, today, put together by the Being More Human team. So thanks, Darlene, for agreeing to talk to us today. Oh, thank you for asking. Pleasure. Um, The focus of this particular little mini-series within the podcast is all about leadership, culture, and the future of work. So I'll ask you some questions in and around that. But before we get to those questions, do you mind just giving yourself an introduction, a bit of an overview of First Chance, how many staff you have so you can paint the picture a little bit? Yeah, of course. So um, First Chance is a locally based organisation and we support children with a disability and their families. So uh, we're at about sort of 450, 500 families across Newcastle, Lake Mac and Port Stephens areas. Um, And of course, with the advent of online supports, um, I guess there will be potentially no boundaries about um, what our footprint might look like um, moving forward. Um, So we have a team of about 70 staff. most of whom are permanent part-time staff uh, and they come from a range of different backgrounds. So we have um, a lot of allied health staff, so our physios, our speeches, our OTs. Uh, We have um, specialist educators. We have psychologists um, and then administrative and finance teams. And we have a, a lovely team of casuals as well who do what we call developmental support work, which is working alongside the um, allied health and educator team um, where families might need um, a more a constant sort of um, checking in and time uh, with somebody to reinforce goals and um, practice. Fantastic. And so can you just share with us from a leadership point of view, being a leader of a business such as that, what have been some of the challenges um, in terms of being able to navigate your way through COVID and support people in that? Um, I guess everybody who answers this question um, says that it's been huge and um, we just had a big team meeting where I, you know, we're navigating the next um, change in terms of um, the lifting of restrictions and I um, said to the team, you know, there's no playbook for this um, so I can only provide you with the things that um, myself and the and the two managers have been able to think about in terms of both issues and questions and responses um, and uh, and then you know we'll respond to questions and answers because you know you'll you'll all have something else to kind of bring to that to that thinking yeah. um, and uh, so I think you know like everybody else we've needed to be incredibly responsive around um, you know we, we were laughing and saying you know obviously um, lots of people potentially had to scramble around putting together a pandemic response plan we did have a business continuity plan but in terms of you know some of that really um, specific details around business processes and practices, um, we um, needed to put that together and we felt like, oh, yeah, you know, we knew exactly what was happening. So we provide a lot of supports to um, families where the child is at school. And so our Premier had been indicating, you know, a particular pathway of timing around when things might change. Um, and so we thought, you beauty, we've, we've got in, we've got early, we've got this next stage of the plan bedded down. And uh, we might do a few little tweaks here and there. And then, of course, there was quite a significant change of um, direction um, by the government around um, schools returning, sorry, children returning to schools. Uh, So that meant we had to kind of really quickly come back together and go, okay, what does this mean? Uh, And so every time there's that sort of change in um, government um, policy or direction, then we need to adapt and change as well. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we've tried or messages that we've tried to really um, 
get lots of buy-in from the team from day one is just that acknowledgement of the fact that this is a challenging time and so we've been really conscious of the well-being and the mental health of our team mm-hmm. in particular. So one of the initial sort of um, uh, messages that we we put out to the staff was that we wanted them to take their well-being as seriously as we were taking it. So we've been um, providing lots and lots of resources to people um, to try and cater for a range of different learning styles and I guess sort of have there as a backup for, you know, depending on where your head's at that day um, as to what you can absorb. So whether they be kind of online webinars that people can connect in with or whether they be, you know, for people who prefer to read things so that we really were trying to validate the fact that um, this is tricky for everybody Mm. and when you add into that you know the majority of our staff here are parents of school-aged children themselves and so they have just been remarkable in um, I'm very fortunate I don't have a school-aged child anymore um, so I haven't had to negotiate what it's like to try and feel like you're having to to balance this the homeschooling and trying to feel like you're still contributing in the workplace, whether that be remotely or otherwise, um, and and how you're feeling in in the, you know the mm-hmm. middle of all of that, and potentially you know not feeling like you're doing any of those things particularly well at any given point in time. So we've tried to be really flexible. We've we've you know most people have been working from home and and potentially can continue to do so um, for quite a while um, as we sort of ease people in. We've got some staff who have themselves some specific um, kind of medical or chronic illnesses that we need to try to provide some individualised um, pathways to being able to return to whatever it is we're returning to Um, and also trying to be flexible with the families we support as well. So just because we might be ready to do X, Y or Z doesn't mean that they are. Um, And so, you know, obviously we need to be able to still generate an income but we need to be able to continue to be family-centred in the way that we work with the families and the way in which we support our staff who are also parts of families. And what have you noticed um, around people not being in the workplace? Like there's obviously advantages and disadvantages Mm. to it. So from your point of view, what do you think some of those advantages are and Mm. what are some of those disadvantages? I think on a really practical level, Staff here have told me that they've really appreciated the flexibility to do what it is that they need to do, either for the to suit their own family, um, or to suit their own health, or to suit their own kind of preferences about how they're feeling and how safe they're feeling at the moment. Um, so we. Um, we're obviously now at that crazy time where, you know, more people potentially are wanting to re-engage with the work, you know, coming in. And so now we have to look at, you know, do we have roster A and roster B in terms of how we still maintain um, some physical distancing in the building? I think that staff have been really um, uh, good in um, connecting with one another and supporting one another. And I guess I've tried to lead from the front a little bit around recognising, I shared with the staff probably about four weeks ago, the fact that, you know, I'd had this day and thankfully it was a Saturday, but I'd had this day where, you know, um, out of 
potentially nowhere, um, came a whole bunch of kind of big roller coaster of emotions around, you know, just feeling a bit, um, I, you know, I wasn't able to visit my family like other people were in the same boat. And, um, and you know, I normally see my mum and dad and brother and sister every Sunday. Um, so, you know, that had been quite a big change in my life. And um, my dad's not well. So that sort of, you know, um, plays into it as well. And just the, the worry around how he's going to keep well. Um, and so I just decided that, you know, collective vulnerability is sometimes a good thing to be able to um, uh, share with other people. So I, yeah, I just sent out some information to, to the team about um, the day that I had had or the moment that I had had and what some of my coping strategies were that I leaned on at that time. Um, and just a little bit of an invitation to people to remember that you know, they're not perfect every day. They don't have to be okay every day. All of all of that kind of messaging, and also, I guess, just a reminder about some of the well-being um, kind of opportunities that we had shared with people, and really encouraging them to to dip into those and to make sure that in the event that they had a day um, or a moment or a couple of days, um, that they had some um, strategies uh, ready to try out, and if they had, you know found their strategies wanting the last time they tried to um, access them. Maybe now's the time to really have a look at some of the stuff that we'd been sharing or they'd been sharing with one another and work out what of those will I try next time. Mm. And it was really lovely actually to get, I mean, I said to people, you know, I don't, I'm not sharing this because I need and want, you know, 70 email replies around how are you and, you know, is there anything that you need? Um, it was more because I just wanted to normalise it um, and for people just to feel okay about that. And so it was really lovely to get, you know, a couple of people who were still accessing the office to come drop by or send me an email or whatever. And, and the focus wasn't, Oh, you know, of course they asked, you know, so they hoped I was fine, but the focus was more around just thank you for being real about that. Yeah, because I think so often as particularly as an employee, you often see your leader, rightly or wrongly, as this kind of strong, unshakable presence mm. that clearly is not impacted by the world and family around them in the same way as you are. Yeah. And you can, there's a, I know a lot of employees create that perceptual distance between themselves and their leader mm. and a lot of leaders don't do what you've done to go out of your way to share that side of yourself because I love that phrase you, you used about collective vulnerability and you know Brene Brown's work and she talks about excruciating vulnerability mm. you know and that has to start somewhere and that can't happen in an organization unless it does start with a leader so yeah. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful example of that. Can you can you hazard a guess? Because it's really going to be a guess what the new version of first chance is going to look like off the back of all of this. What are some opportunities you might not have seen before, or some innovations that might have come across as a result of this? Yeah, I think um, I, I tend to try and be a, a glass half full kind of person and sometimes that can be annoying for other people who might be, you know, at that moment in time kind of in a different spot in their thinking. But I have one of the things that I've really appreciated about um you know, this pandemic is that it's really kind of um, required everybody to do some thinking and reflection about what's important in their lives, um, to think about what they'll miss, what they'll what they've gained, and those sorts of things. And and so I have been super impressed by our team and the way in which they've dug deep to 
think about how they might continue to support families in ways that meet them where they're at and which keep everybody safe. And so, you know, we haven't been doing face-to-face supports for quite some time, but we've been able to come up with, you know, obviously the, the the thing that most people are doing nowadays, which is online, and that's okay, and that works for a whole bunch of families. Um, but for a number of families who don't have a device or don't have internet or don't have data or some of those things, we've really had to think quite creatively about how to connect with them. Um, and so that's been really lovely. And it's been really lovely to see in some ways, it's almost like the back to basics of old fashioned sort of stuff. Um, you know, we've been sharing um, ideas with one another on our um, staff private Facebook page around, um, you know, some activities that can be done with families that you either make and send to them or and then check in with them or you do online or whatever. And some of them have been probably things that my, you know, I would have done as a kid or my grandparents, you know, would have encouraged us to do because they're just, they're simple things. And sometimes we, I think we get so caught up in how fancy we we need to be and how clever we need to be that we forget that sometimes the cleverness and the fanciness is in the simplicity. Um, So I think that's been really lovely. And I think the other, the opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, is about, you know, at the moment we would we would restrict our geography based on the fact that it costs families for us to travel to them. And obviously we believe that, you know, the, the funding is largely about the direct supports, not on us needing to get there. But we actually had a family that contacted us and they had moved away um, to a, um, another area. I, I may not remember it correctly, but let's say it was Mudgee. And they rang us and they said, look, you know, we've, we've settled into Mudgee, um, but there is no way that we can find an OT. Um, in this area we're really happy to do online supports is that something that you can do with us mm-hmm. and we said you bet you, you can, we can and so you know we've started to have those conversations um, as a management team about what you know where this can take us and you know we are we are we've always been aware of I guess um, the privilege that we have about working in a regional um, kind of area like Newcastle Lake Mac and Port Stephens and and yes whilst you know recruitment of of this the caliber of staff that we're after can be a challenge sometimes it's even harder in areas where they don't have a feeder university or you know any of that so we, we've been pondering for a little while how we might be able to be a part of that solution for communities. And, you know, for some people in some communities, this actually might be the beginning of that, um, which would be amazing. And I think um, what I can see is it, definitely it's going to have a similar impact across sectors, but I would say more so even in the health sector because I know an, another client of ours who was, they were dabbling in telehealth before this all happened. And of course, now they're telehealth experts. Yep. And so suddenly, not only do they have a new set of services, but like you're saying, a new set of markets as well. So it is quite interesting as to how you leverage that commercially. Absolutely. So, you know, some of the conversations we've just had with the team even today is, you know, moving forward, particularly where, um, you know, I was acknowledging that um, whilst there, we were certainly not tele, telepractice experts before this happened um, and we've had to make really quick, um, huge wholesale kind of changes and, um, and and as I said, the staff have done a remarkable job in adapting to that. It's been um, been a big learning curve for us but it's also been a big learning curve for some families and, and what we have found along the way is that, um, you know, some families 
have absolutely impressed and surprised us by their absolute resilience and capacity to want to give this a go. Um, and, you know, IT being what it is, even when you're in a privileged area like, you know, a Newcastle, we still have dropouts and we still have, you know, device issues and all of those other things, um, which I'm sure for some areas they would love to even have a dropout <laughs> if they don't even have service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but um, it's been really lovely to see families go. No, I actually want to. I want to make this work. I want to do this. And and staff who were so naturally and understandably concerned about their capacity to do this um, online, um, you know, once they got over their first one, they were just beaming with pride. Yeah. And um, because they they'd done it, and and it's not clinically. It's not for everybody. We we understand that. But um, we've said as a team, we actually want to see this apart as a part of what we offer to families moving forward. I guess particularly while there's such a um, uncertainty around, you know, a second wave or a third wave of, of COVID kind of impact, we want to minimise the impact of, you know, how many staff are going to um, families' homes because we're obviously a threat to them and vice versa. Um, so this actually can remain for a number of families a really lovely and potentially only um, way that they want to engage with us depending on, you know, the fragility of their child or their family circumstances. And isn't it great that we've got a combination of the technology that allows you to do that and mm -hmm. the humans that are open enough to try that, both for the families as, as well as your um, employees as well. So that, that's so cool to hear that. I, I just wanted to get your advice for our last question. Our time's gone very quickly. Mm -hmm. But our, if you were to give advice to another leader or manager in an organisation uh, about what's important post-COVID, what would that be? Mm, that's a great question. I think that um, one of the one of the things that we've been trying to think about and, and to the extent that it's, you know, advice for others or just part of, it, you know, leadership thinking is just trying to, trying to get that balance right between where people are at and what expectations we have of them and trying as best as we can to meet somewhere in the middle around what we need to be able to continue to do because fundamentally if we're not here to support the families then we as an organization we don't have a purpose <laughs> that is our purpose so we've got to be able to work out a way to be able to do that but I want to do that in a way that is about taking the team along along for the ride in a way that feels comfortable for them um, so that they feel safe and they feel valued um, as part of that. And I certainly don't have all of the answers. Um, I probably can't even think of all the questions sometimes. So, um, you know, trying to do that in a collaborative way um, that is just open to the fact that it, it's actually really lovely that I don't have to feel like the expert on everything because A, I'm not, and B, it's exhausting. Um, so, yeah, just trying to do that in a way that is inviting of other people's um, feelings, thoughts and suggestions. And it's definitely, you know, the thing that is the theme that's coming out from all leaders who I've been speaking to about this is the theme that you referred to about psychological safety mm. as being the crux for everything else that sits around that. So I think, yeah, that's definitely some wise advice to people listening in is to make sure you're creating that psychologically safe space where you can have all the rest of the conversations that may be difficult, maybe mm -hmm. that come after that in that space. 
Yeah, and I think particularly, um, I think one of the tricky parts is as a leader is is thinking about how we might be feeling ourselves and not assuming that that is the same for everybody else. Um, or, you know, if our, if our business imperative is that we need to do X, Y, Z, well, realistically, we can only do that if we've got the staff on board and we can tell them that that's what they need to do. But is that actually going to result just in more sick leave or, you know, a whole bunch of other um, outcomes that are really not great for anybody? Um, so, yeah, it, it it may not be perfect, but it, it you know um, I guess bringing people along with you is always going to be better in the in the long term. Absolutely, and then everyone feels like they matter. Everyone feels like what they're doing is important, and they want to come back for more. And ultimately, that's the culture that you want to create. Is it? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time and for your insight. And I hope the rest of your week goes well. And thanks again for sharing some of your time on the Humans at Work podcast. Yes. Most welcome.